Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. So last week, Jazz McConnell shared, and I really encourage you, if you haven't uh, listened to that, to jump on Facebook and, and watch that. It's, I think it's our most viewed uh, preach since our last conference. Um, so, and she shared about three particular relationships in her life uh, that have really shaped her and transformed her. And the last one she spoke about was her relationship with God and how her life has been transformed in the last couple of years as she's allowed God's uh, word and his identity to shape who she is. And one thing she says is when you um, know whose you are, you can know who you are. And so tonight, I really want to continue on that vein, talking about relationship with God specifically, and why I believe that relationship with God is the most important thing in this life. Relationship with God is the most important thing in this life. I'm going to share a bit from my story first, and then we're going to get into it. Uh, but I was 21 when I first considered the reality of whether, whether God was real or not. And I'd never really thought about where, of his existence. Um, but I began to look into it, and it was... Um, you know, the questions for me was, one, first of all, like, was Jesus even real? Like, I didn't know he was more than a cartoon character at that point. And then the second thing was, was he God? You know, was he really God? Is there a God? And when I um, looked into it, I read a book called Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. I encourage you to read that if you have questions. And um, it basically articulated a lot of rationale around the existence of Jesus. And basically, there's, there's more evidence to support Jesus' exi- existence here on earth than the first... U.S. President George Washington, and pretty much every historian, um, it's unanimous that Jesus existed, and so that really settled that in my ha- my heart. But I then went on a journey of like, was Jesus God? You know, because if he was God, then what he said really, really made a big deal in my life. And so I went to a church for the first time, and I went there, and I was I was I was a little nervous, I was very skeptical, and I was very cautious. And I went there for about four weeks, and just over that time, like I began to experience things I hadn't experienced before. And it wasn't until the fourth week we were there, and we're in a time of worship. And for those who know, the first time you raised your hands in worship, uh, I felt like the whole world was watching you. And um, I remember it was just like this worship set, and they probably sung the chorus about 400 times, and it went for about 15 minutes, but it was just absolutely like unbelievable and I remember I raised my hands and I closed my eyes and if you've never done that before in a time of worship I encourage you to try it because like my life just began to change in that moment and it was the first time I ever felt true freedom like I grew up with an awful lot of insecurity and in this moment was the first time in my life where I felt free from what other people thought about me and free to make a decision for myself and the decision I made in that moment was that I was was going to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. And so from that moment forward, um, I've done my best to follow him uh, with all my heart and with the best best way that I know how. But one thing I came to understand when I became a Christian was that we were created for relationship. We were created for relationship. It was one of the first things I began to understand about myself and about, about human beings, about how we've been made, is we've been created for relationship in every way possible. Like there's four core needs that you can, you can trace back virtually every decision you make in life to, and one is significance, one is progress, one is safety, and one is sec- no safety, progress, security. Apologies. Innocence. Innocence. 
These are the four core needs that you can virtually trace back every single uh, decision that you make. But if you look at each one of these core needs that we have, the way we've been shaped and created, all these needs relate back to relationship. That you can't obtain these needs without them being in the context of relationship. That you can't, can't obtain a sense of significance unless you're actually in relationship with people. That we have been created in every which way for relationship. And everything you pursue in this life is welded to the value of relationship. Even people who go after money and they go after the wealth and the fame, what do they do when they get there? They want to share it with someone. Maybe not the money, but that that thing of like, I'm rich, I'm awesome. Like every need, every desire, whether you're pursuing it in a career right now, whether you're pursuing it a sense of social significance, or maybe you're starting a business, everything, every need, everything you pursue is in, in, uh, in connection to relationship. It is all welded to our need and our value to relate to others. We were made for relationship. But what I wanted to highlight specifically tonight is that the most important and influential relationship in your life is your relationship with God. If you were created for relationship and everything we do in this life is in the context of relationship, and the most important relationship is relationship with God, then I propose that the most important thing in this life is relationship with God. Generally, uh, the people who have, especially from at a young age, uh, either as a teenager or a young adult, uh, generally the, the person or the people who have influenced your life the most by their age in general is your parents. In general, I see that face ask you. Um, we, we often disagree with that, but generally, in my, can I have this opinion? Uh, generally, it's your parents, especially at a teenage and a young adult age, your parents have influenced you the most. What happens though is that uh, we as teenagers go through this random experience where we literally change and transform as a person from age 10 to 16, whenever you hit puberty, good for you. Uh, you change and you transform. And, and often, as we come out of that process, we really struggle with our parents because we change. We can't help that. We've been created to change. But what, what, what mm, I don't want to share the blame because I haven't been there yet, but what appears to be like uh, where a lot of breakthrough can lie is in the parents' ability to change. Because the parents are now parenting a completely different human being, but often they use the same tools that they did when they were a child. And so there's this tension that goes on in this, or you almost become a bit of a new creation at some level. You start to think very differently, and you're all of a sudden, when you're seven years old and your parents ask you, you want to go to McDonald's and watch a movie, you're like, that's amazing. When you're 17, you're like, you just try to avoid them in public. You know, like there's this change that takes place. And so we start to form our ideas about ourselves and how we've, uh, how we've come to be. It's like, well, it's not because of our parents, because I don't, you know, hang out with my parents, I hang out with my friends. Forgetting that for about 13 or 14 years of our lives, these guys were our biggest heroes. Like your, when you're about five years old, like your dad or your mum would have been your biggest hero. Like your dad would tense his bicep and it was like, oh my gosh. You know, like these were your heroes and we forget that we were actually shaped and formed for all those years. And, and, and the phrase of like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. There's a reason why that's true. And so why I say that, I say that to say that, that generally the most influential relationships in a young person's life, particularly uh, as a teenager and a young adult, is their relationship with their parents. And I'd also say that's also true even if your parents didn't raise you. 
even if maybe your dad left you at a young age and you're maybe just raised by your mum, I'd like to propose that one of the most influential relationships in your life at that young age is your lack of relationship with your dad. Is the fact that everywhere you go, you go with this uncertainty and unknowing of who you are because you don't have a father that has modelled that to you. And every time you speak to people and they ask you about your family, you have to talk about this kind of identity that you walk in of not having a dad. And if you, like, like it's a bit more common than we think because people don't generally talk about it openly about if, we, if they're orphaned at a young age. It's sort of something that people avoid but uh, I know there's people in this room that have been orphaned. Their parents either passed away at a young age or maybe they walked away from them. And even in this situation, like unless that person at a young age went through some significant healing, then that lack of relationship with their parents has the primary ability to define their lives. That even the lack of the parents' presence in their life is still the most influential relationship because everywhere they go, they're wrestling with that identity of, am I, I'm an orphan, like where's my home? I don't belong everywhere. I have to work for everything. I don't have a parent like everyone else. So what am I saying? I'm saying that I believe that the most influential relationship in your life at a young age is usually your parents, whether they were present or not, whether they are present or not. Why do I say that? Because I believe it's the same with God. I believe that whether or not you're in a relationship with God, whether you're not in a life-giving relationship with God, it's still the most influential relationship in your life. Whether you're walking out a life-giving relationship with God and it's just amazing and you're growing, or whether you're, you're, you're not walking in relationship with Him, I'd like to propose that that relationship and definition of that is the most influential relationship in your life. The belief that God doesn't exist, that he isn't real, that I can do whatever I want, and when I go toes up at the end, it's all over, leads to a very different life than the revelation of I have been created and shaped for a purpose by a God that loves me. Those are two very different lives. And I believe that relationship with God, whether you have it or not, is the most influential thing in your life. Now, I know there'll be people here who will wrestle with that statement, thinking, well, is relationship with God the most important thing? Maybe my health is, or maybe my uh, finances are, or maybe relationship with my family or my friends is the most important thing. And uh, if, if you don't believe in God, then obviously you're going to wrestle with that. But even people who do believe in God wrestle with that. Anytime you are feeling anxiety or fear, there is a wrestle going on inside of you of what's more important. When you're feeling anxious about your financial situation, there's a wrestle of, is God more important to me or is being financially secure more important to me? This is something that we wrestle with and it's normal to wrestle with. And there were, there were people in Jesus' day who walked with him who also wrestled with us. And I want to look at uh, just two people in particular, Peter and Judah. Now, Judah, Judas, sorry. Um, so Peter was an outgoing externally processing uh, extrovert who just loved jumping and getting in the middle of things. And he was also a fisherman. And then there was Judas, who was a lot more reserved. And he, he, he seemed to always carry specific agendas and goals that were often under the surface. And so um, both these guys wrestled with the tension of the most important thing in their life being relationship with God. One wrestled into relationship and one wrestled out of relationship. But both these guys' lives were defined by their relationship with God or lack of. So we're just going to start with Matthew chapter 4, 
18 to 20. This is when Peter meets Jesus. And it says, Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers. They were Simon, his other name was Peter, and Andrew, his brother. They were putting the net in the sea, for they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Have you ever read that and thought that's really not logical? For a man to be walking past the ocean saying to people who are fishing or maybe builders walking past a building site and saying, hey, I'm going to make you builders of people. And that they just drop their tools and come and follow them, change their whole life. Have you ever thought how odd that is? You know, like maybe they missed a few words there. But it wasn't the words that did it for Peter. It wasn't the words that did it for Andrew. It was the life that was on them. You see, you can't just say these words to people and they just follow you, but it was the life that was on those words that did something in Peter's life, that did something in Andrew's life, that made them realize that this was worth following. There is some sort of substance to this person, and so they started following Jesus. And so Peter goes on this amazing journey of of watching Jesus teach and impart life and wisdom and revelation, and then healing people physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And then it comes time to, uh, in John chapter 6, Jesus gives a a difficult uh, teaching. And so it's all been pretty sunshine and rainbows at this stage. But then Jesus gives a difficult teaching, particularly to the Jewish people. And, um, And a lot of the followers really wrestle with that, really struggle with that. And then we read in John chapter 6, verse 66, From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And Jesus turned to his disciples, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12 disciples. This wasn't an insecure moment of Jesus. This was just kind of like, like Jesus never forced anything on anyone. He just invited them. He invited them into the kingdom and they invited them to follow him. Simon Peter answered him, this is what I want you to hear. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Relationship with God was the most important thing, and Peter began to understand this in this moment, that in this moment of uncertainty and certainly uh, social um, pressure, where the, whole, where the crowd of people were starting to walk away from Jesus, Peter was left with an option to either follow with them or stick with Jesus in that moment. And Jesus said, hey, are you going to go or are you going to stay? And Peter says, what else am I going to do? Like, and I've become, I have become aware that I have an internal purpose and that this relationship is the most important relationship in my life. So where would I go? And when you, when you understand, I mean, for me, when I first understand that I had a purpose in Christ, like from that moment forward, like I don't have another option. There is not another type of life I can live after knowing that. There is no back door. There is no way out. When you understand that you've been created and shaped by God that loves you. And Peter realized this. Uh, for me, I, had, I remember I had a decision, particularly around like whether... Um, uh, whether God was the most important thing in my life compared to finances. When I first, uh, when I became a Christian, I wanted to do like a Bible school, a ministry school sort of thing. Looked around at a bunch of options and nothing really excited me. I was like, yeah, like I'll go if, I, if that's the one. But it didn't really excite me until I heard about this one over in America at Bethel Church. And a friend told me about it and she said, yeah, yeah, but it's 20 grand a year. And my first thoughts in my head was a very negative one about Americans. And then my next thought was... Um, was kind of similar to what Peter said in that it was, what else are you going to spend your money on? What else are you going to spend your money on? And I just felt in that moment like, yeah, like where else would I go? What else would I do if it wasn't in relationship with God? 
And I felt like God had asked me and wanted me to step out and go to the school, go to this ministry school. And so what else would I do with my money? I mean, the other option was put it towards a house deposit, you know, maybe get a nice house. But it doesn't matter how big that house was. It doesn't matter if I got married on that house, had kids, and it was just like awesome. Like it would be empty, man, if I knew my purpose wasn't there. And it wasn't because I felt like God had called me to go elsewhere at that time. And so, so for me, like, it would have been a great financial decision to put that money towards a house, right? And for Peter, it would have been a great social decision to follow the crowd. But for both of us, we understood, and I'm speaking on behalf of Peter, Peter, guessing here. For both of us, we understood that relationship with God was the most important thing in this life, and we weren't willing to compromise that. Judas also walked with Jesus and wrestled with the truth that relationship with God was the most important thing in his life. Unfortunately, most accounts of him communicated his value for money was more important than his relationship with God. If we could look at John 12, 1 to 6. Six days before Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus, 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 Russ, Russ, lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead, no big deal. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among, I can't even say that man, among reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took out a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped and wiped it with her hair. Washing feet back in the day was a common thing. Didn't have shoes, didn't have cars. They walked in sandals, had got dirty feet, so people would clean your feet as a real honoring thing. It's a bit weird nowadays, but it's still very honoring. But anyway, very, very normal, except for the expensive perfume. That was the abnormal part of the story. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas, I just really want to say is a carrot. <laughs> one of his disciples, Judas, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As the keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what he put in it. Now, the author of this, uh, this account here, John, obviously wrote this after this moment. He wasn't like aware that Judas was stealing in the moment. Um, but later, obviously, they realized that Judas had been stealing the money. And so Judas had, had prioritized his personal needs over his relationship with God. He was willing to compromise his relationship with God because to him, he didn't believe relationship with God was the most important thing. Judas and Peter both wrestled with this. But Peter said, I'll follow you and I'll trust you because I believe this is the most important thing in my life. Judas said, I'm not sure I believe. So I can only trust myself. And so he had to live with the fears and insecurities that come along with that. Judas continued to wrestle with the truth of his relationship with God being the, being the most important thing in his life. But unfortunately, he continued to prioritize money over that relationship. And eventually, he actually handed Jesus over to the leaders of the day for what is the equivalent of about 250 New Zealand dollars. He handed Jesus over at that time to be crucified. But we know that Judas still wrestled with this because it says that he went back to the leaders after that, realizing that maybe he had compromised something that he shouldn't have, and he tried to return the money, but the leaders said, no, it has been done, and that is not our money to take. Both Peter and Judas wrestled with this. They wrestled with the tension of the most important thing in their life, 
being relationship with God. One wrestled into relationship, one wrestled out of relationship, but both lives were defined by it. If I could have the band come up, please. Relationship with God is the most important thing in this life. And it's okay to wrestle with that, but I encourage you you to wrestle with it into relationship with God as opposed to out of it. And even when you're wrestling for peace, when you're wrestling for, uh, in these times of fear and anxiety, whether it's financial, whether it's relational, will I get married? Will I get to buy a house? Will I ever be seen? Will I ever be valued? Am I always going to be disappointed in my friendships? Whatever you're dealing with, there is invitation in those moments to raise your value for God higher than all those other needs. You see, you know when God is in that place of the most important part of your life when you experience true freedom. And for me, when I experienced that for the first time during that worship service, that set the standard for me of what it is to to have God in that place as being the most important thing in my life.